Welcome, 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 everyone, to another episode of the Option Menu Crew Podcast. I am your default settings, Ryan, and with me is our language settings, Ed. Or Ed, did we? Do, uh, we were discussing on hot fixes. I think. Did you go with a different title? Uh what was it? I totally, I totally forgot what it was. Sound. Like, it was better than language settings. I guess I'm gonna have to like listen to the replay to remember. Was it like vol um, master vol sound effects volume? I think I was voting for sound effects volume. I'm like, sound effects. Um. Settings. Oh, I think I said it was like inverted camera. Inverted camera. The inverted camera setting him. The inverted camera toggle himself. Ed. Uh, this is yeah. episode forty-three, and right at the top, we just want to mention that uh, we've been evaluating doing this as a hobby and how much time it's taking up. Um, and we've decided that we're going to switch to a monthly format. So our goal going forward will be to do an episode once a month, uh, putting it up on the first Saturday of the next month and then recording also that. So we usually record on the day the episodes go up. So that way uh, we can accommodate it better with our schedules. Gives gives me more time to, to edit them. <clears throat> around my life so yeah uh we're going forward but this topic we are very excited we're no we're no less excited about doing these topics um and this and this format here it's just timing you know with with life and everything and uh since we're doing it for fun we got to make sure that it stays fun so this is how we can fit it in um yeah uh this topic is going to be about console generations and console cycles and i think uh if any of our re returning listeners know what we're going to focus on and where this is kind of spurred from. And so we're going to branch out from there. But uh, there was the Nintendo Direct. So, Ed, let me toss it to you. How did the Nintendo Direct make you feel about the current ability of the Switch? And where's your current desire for the next console of Switch? Well, or Nintendo console, I should I, say. I think, I think I mentioned in our meeting, or not our meeting, our, our news episode, that I was excited for the new Fire Emblem Warriors game, Three Hopes. But, I, you know, we, we all know that, that Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity did, did not run very well on the Switch. So I'm, like, excited, but with an asterisk of, you know, is it going to run... To my satisfaction um and i i recall reading that the first fire emblem wars did have a performance mode but i don't know how far they're going to try to push the switch this time it just it seems like even first party games just are not willing to uh design to the limitations of the switch you know it's like they're begging for a new console generation but nintendo just won't um there were there were a lot of games in the direct where they were I think they were simple enough graphically and I'm not that worried about them having performance issues like I'm I'm excited for Triangle Strategy that's the HD 2D I, I assume it's not that demanding it doesn't look that demanding so I'm pretty confident that's going to be okay but it it it's frustrating to see something that you think will be fun and the back of your mind is like is it going to be fun to play? Yeah. Did you try the demo yet? Because they did announce that Triangle Strategy Prologue demo is available, which is basically the opening chapters of the game, and your progress will carry over to the main game when it comes out next month. 
and uh um that's been a cool trend excuse me that square enix has been doing so I, i'm appreciating that but that and it's important too because uh, i think no i rented fire emblem warriors uh hyrule yeah oh yeah hyrule warriors age of calamity did have a demo on switch when it came out and that's how i was able to tell that the the performance on that was tragic yeah, I, I haven't tried the demo yet. I'm I'm planning on trying it tomorrow. I'm trying to make progress on the other game I'm playing right now, but I, I do want to set aside some time to play it, especially because, you know, since the progress carries over, if I like it, you know, I know it's not going to be wasted time. Well, it's not going to be wasted time either way, but if I find out I don't like it, then I don't have to spend any more time on the game. But if I do, I've already got a head start before it comes out. So it's it's nice. It's a good demo. Absolutely. And on top of that, we see all these ports that are coming to Switch, and there was a whole bunch more in there. Some look better than others. Uh, Klonoa 1 and 2 uh, looked pretty good. Front Mission First looks pretty good. Um, and those are games... That's, that's, re that's a remake, Front Mission First. Right, right. And it's a, re uh, yeah. a remake, a port of an old game. So certain things definitely look like they can definitely look good on the current Switch model. But then there's things like they're bringing the Ezio collection of Assassin's Creed. They're using the Wii version of Star Wars The Force Unleashed, which may have just been a licensing issue that they couldn't bring the, the 360 version over. Um, <clears throat> I think it's Wii PS2 version as, as well. Uh, and I'm trying to think if there was anything else. Oh, there's been an article, or uh, I mean, I think I saw this headline on Kotaku, but I don't know if I put much st stake in it other than a fluff piece is like apparently fans are complaining that the, there's a graphical downgrade for the Mario Kart DLC. Like some of the courses just don't look as good, but hard to say. Yeah, that... it, they're saying it's for Mario Kart <clears throat> Tour. Like they're using the mobile version of the course. Oh, that's funny. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. However, however, I think people are really kind of, well, it's definitely the vocal minority that are speaking up on this because Mario Golf has sold really well. <clears throat> and Mario Golf, we and we've played it. It's visually not that great in a lot of areas. It's still fun. I mean, as fun as a frustrating golf game could be. Uh, Mario Golf is more of a simulator. <clears throat> oh, I'm so sorry. More of a simulator than uh, it gets credit for because of how much of the stuff it is from like regular real golf um, is in, is in there with the wind speed and the unpredictable rolling and stuff like that. But I mean. I think we're just feeling the age of this hardware way, way more than we used to. And Nintendo, like, it's more than even what we felt with the previous generation. Like, I, I guess that's the ne next question there, Ed, is for you. Because you were, you wanted, you didn't want to get a PS5 for a little bit, but then you finally did, and you, uh, you got your, and then you got one and you started playing on it. So tell me, did you feel the difference between playing on PS4 and PS5 after you gave it some time? Or do you feel like, in your mind, they're, they're not that different? Um, well, I first want to say that part of the reason I didn't really get a one, didn't want to get a PS5 is I just didn't want to fight the whole process of trying to you know, race to check out on Walmart or Amazon and be frustrated that I couldn't get in my cart. So... I think I was like telling myself I didn't want one and I was just kind of coping with the fact that they were hard to get. Uh, <laughs> but I ended up getting a 
uh, email from Sony offering to buy it and it was fairly painless. So I was lucky that I didn't have to do too much to get one. Yeah. Um, but after using it, I, I graphically, some of the new PS five games that I've played, like, um, rift at ratchet and clank rift apart mm-hmm. and the final fantasy 7 remake um you know the playstation 5 version it, it's it's noticeable i mean it looks they look so much better than anything i could have played on playstation 4 and it it really has contributed to my enjoyment of those games i don't i don't think i would have enjoyed final fantasy set well i probably would have enjoyed it but seeing it at its best final fantasy seven remake was pretty awesome. And I, I do appreciate that the loading times are very minimal. Um, I kind of wish I had it when I played near replicant last year, because those loading times could get annoying, especially because you'd be running through all these small areas. So you'd have a loading time every five minutes, just because you'd get to the next area as you were racing to, you know, go to the next objective. Um, so I, I I think it's been noticeable, um, and and the DualSense controller is pretty cool. I mean, sometimes it's a little weird with the adaptive triggers getting used to it, but it's it's a it's a neat gimmick. Um, but that's not really related to the, you know, the performance or power of the console. Right, but um, it I'm, is. I'm glad I got it. But it is a factor that is a and something I do want us to talk about a bit today is. The also the controller because that 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 means something and I have thoughts about when Xbox was transitioning to Xbox One and decided to include the Connect in the box and so I, uh, I I've probably shared a little bit of those opinions but I'll restate them here because this is definitely the the episode for that. Um, but going back to the Switch because that's where we have our our hottest takes and then we're gonna we'll go on there. Like, Ed, do you feel like? with your current thoughts, like when do you think we should have gotten a switch, a new switch? I obviously we got the OLED switch, which we now know from reports and stuff like that. It was supposed to be, have upgraded internals, but because of the chip shortage, Nintendo decided to nix that just went with updating the screen and the internals and stuff like that. In your, in your opinion, do you think that Nintendo should have just waited and just put out the hardware or how do you feel about some of these like, mid uh mid steps in terms of like hardware revision and w- when do you think is like the right time to create a new version of a console um i think if they were going to put out a mid-gen upgrade they should have done it in 2020 or at the latest 2021 um and i but i i guess they didn't feel they had a reason to because they it was selling so well That's- which is which makes sense, but it's unfortunate for people who care that much about the performance of the console. But at this point, I don't think they should wait longer than 2023 to announce a new console. And I I really hope they do it at E3 for this holiday season. I think they're going to have to if they want to continue to, you know, have interest in the console, especially if, if by this coming holiday the Xbox Series X and S and the PlayStation 5 are becoming widely available, I think they're just going to start eating the Switch's launch. You know, people are going to want something new and not just, you know, new to them, but a new generation. And, you know, right now those consoles are just limited by what they can produce. I mean, that's why, intent. that's a big reason why the Switch is selling so well, I think, 
is because it's available. So I, I think they're going to have to keep raising the bar if they want to keep the momentum that they have. But, you know, maybe not. I, I'm I'm not an analyst. I'm not a, a business person. So, but I, I, I ideally, I, I think they would put it out this holiday. I think that would be the best um, for me, at least. Now, focusing once again on the Switch, but you can extrapolate this to the other console platforms. What do you want updated on the Switch besides just, you know, better hardware inside so the games run better? We could get like, you know, 1080p 60 regularly, uh, 720 60 on the handheld screen. You know, is there any other features you want upgraded or enhanced or something you want added to it for the next uh, iteration to validate its existence? Um, I don't think they should update. I think that what they have on the OLED is probably a good enough display. I don't think they need to make it bigger than 720p for that size of display. I think if they can actually get games to run at that resolution in the handheld at a good frame rate, that's good enough for on the go. You know, I know, isn't, isn't that what the Steam Deck is tar- targeting, 720p? Um... It's a little bit so. more than 720, but it's using but that's because it's using a 16:10 aspect ratio. But it's a similar pixel density probably. Yes. Okay. And uh I and, and a, a lot of Switch games in handheld do not run at 720p. Like um the Xenoblade Chronicles games, they are very like aliased at in handheld they look bad yeah um so if, if the if the hardware could just support that resolution at a good frame rate you know that that would be good i'd like to see an improved joy con um and i'm not sure what this would be um you know i i don't think it's an ergonomic console in handheld mode really to me to be able to play it comfortably for a long period of time i have to use the pro controller or I have to get some sort of grip that I slip onto the device in handheld mode. It's just not a comfortable console. I mean, I honestly, like as I hold it, I feel like I'm like curling my pinkies underneath it. I have this claw grip. It's just really uncomfortable and it causes me like strain to use it. Um, I'm not sure where the solution to that is, but you know, maybe they, maybe they need to actually think about what they include with the console in terms of ergonomics instead of just, I, I guess they're fine with it, but the the Joy-Cons could be revised. Um, really, just the general reliability of the hardware, I think, could be improved. Um, and I I guess there's not much more I would want other than more powerful cons hardware. And and maybe what they could do is, if, if they don't want to include so much... Um, power in the device other than to output at 720p to the handheld display maybe maybe they could find a way to include more graphics processing power in the dock you know i know there's the idea of a external gpu on on um you know on pc where you can have a gpu that runs over thunderbolt i mean I guess maybe that's unrealistic, but like they have the dock, you know, there's got to be something cool they can do to make it so that when you actually connect it to your TV, 
where you're expecting a much higher resolution display that it can accommodate that. Um, or maybe, maybe, maybe they try to target 1080p res rendering when you're docked and they have some sort of upscaling that maybe does a good job of upscaling, I, you know, like DLSS. I mean, they're using the NVIDIA chipset. Maybe there's, there, I, I, I think it's going to be a lot of small things that make it better. I don't think there's going to be like one revolutionary gimmick that I want. I, I think I, I just want a refinement of the current switch. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. Um, I think on the Joy-Cons, the default design is meant to play into its portability aspect because it's you know it's basically this sleek, thin console. Whereas if they did do a Joy-Con that was a bit more ergonomic, it would be like kind of like the way the Steam Deck looks with its big uh, molded handles. And I don't think Nintendo wants that because of you know they want people to be able to just slide it into a pocket or in a bag and make it really sleek. And that is like aesthetically incredibly pleasing but like you said ergonomics <clears throat> that makes it really tough and i think their design philosophy is that you're not supposed to be playing it that long in handheld mode you're supposed to be playing it in like small bursts and i get that people will play it in long bursts but i think nintendo is of the mind that like look it's leisure time so if you can't take a few minutes to let your hands rest and come back like whatnot and if it really bothers you you'll buy an accessory and you'll you'll figure that out yourself um, I agree that it'd be nice for there to be a better default solution. I've said before, I think that the switch being thicker overall would be fine in order to better accommodate, uh, superior internals, whether that's both more powerful, uh, GPU and CPU, um, <clears throat> more internal memory. Like I think that considering that we can't back up our save data to the cloud and even then, or uh, other than the cloud, we can't back it up locally offline. <clears throat> And not being able to, uh, and, and not even the cloud saving, you know, you need the subscription and it doesn't even work for every single game. Um, what was the new game that just came out? You can't back it up. Uh, Pokemon Legends. Yes. Pokemon Legends Arceus, uh, or Arceus, whatever is, doesn't let you save it. And that's a single player game. Like that doesn't make any sense that you can't do that. I I'm assuming that they. Uh, it does have online trading, which they've they've gotten so weird because they're like, well, we don't... Nintendo is so weird about certain parts of its games, it doesn't make sense for them to be as stringent as they are about, like, save data editing and things like that. Well, okay, looking back at the history, Nintendo's being probably really protective of SD card and save data stuff because of hacking, because the Wii was hacked through save data several times. And they're just trying to prevent that from happening and there's still the first generation of switch hardware that has a hardware liability that people still exploit to this day and that's where the eShop game leaking things coming from so i'm sure nintendo wants to try and solve that uh and they did solve it with the other future things so i don't know if there's any other new ways to crack the switch outside of that first generation of hardware um, not that I've heard of, at least. But the emulator scene's been going strong, so it's almost like it doesn't even matter. Uh, I agree with most of the stuff you said. I think better battery life would be great. Uh, as far as I know, like the better analog stick, so there's less likely to drift, would be nice. But honestly, if they just made the Joy-Cons cheaper, drop them 20 bucks, I think that would be a fair like uh, thing where it's like, okay, well, 
these will break and that happens and they can be worn out so let's just lower the price because these are not that deluxe um i would like the feature for the next one and i know this is kind of turning into wish list is i i still think that they're trying to they're building towards closing the gap on all of the features of their previous consoles and the joy cons with their gyro motion sensing and all that is very close to emulating what the the wii remote was capable of and we see that more and more especially with like switch uh nintendo switch sports being announced that i think that they will or hopefully they would be investing in wireless hdmi technology so you can hold your switch in handheld mode and beam it to the dock send a signal to the dock and that would go to the tv and basically do the wii u in reverse where the console is actually the gamepad and then which would be your switch and then it goes to the tv and beams it beams it like that and that would also be a solution for the switch light which as i always say it's not a switch because it can't switch it's just a light um so that would be a thing where we could see like a new switch light rendition as well where it's like hey this one doesn't dock but it doesn't need to dock it can just beam portably to it so that would be interesting i don't know if they would go i think it's still silly that they have this mode especially where the joy cons and the, the thumbsticks wear out and your handheld can just become a dud piece of hardware especially with once again the save data being locked so i think that would be really cool to see them do i don't know if they will i'm not sure also about like the whole dock getting hardware in it I'm not against it. I just don't know if they'll do it. And I don't know if there's any other disadvantages to not doing that. But I agree. The screen being like 726 or, or the system being able to run every game at 72060 should be like the baseline. And then 108060 minimum for the TV and then using upscaling. And like you said, NVIDIA's DLSS technology will probably be integrated in there. So hopefully all that will be uh, available for the next one. But so. The other thing I was would gonna say, what's so frustrating about the fact that not every game runs in like 60 frames per second is they know it matters because they do it for Mario Kart, they do it for Smash. Like they, they, they know that you know for some some of the games that they have that it wouldn't be tolerated if it was choppy and low at least locally, not online. So it's like they they understand the value of it. They're just. You know, maybe maybe they don't. I guess they just don't impress it upon all their developers and different teams that you know this is a standard that we want to uh, meet. Yeah, or maybe it's it's very vision dependent because like Breath of the Wild would have been a game that could have would have been amazing at sixty, but perhaps there was things they just couldn't do, um, and they wanted to do it and they wanted to not be limited by that, so they decided to try and aim for thirty. Uh, but still, that's that's sad. And especially the way like PS5 and Xbox Series X are putting things to shame. Even Xbox Series S are putting the Switch to shame in terms of their fi finally achieving like standardizing 60 FPS. So, um, yeah, I, I wanted to get back on track to a little more of like the fundamentals of the, the topic with the different cycles. So, consoles have been coming around about every four to five years is, is how it used to be. And Ed, you have a more unique uh maybe perhaps more relatable console cycle adaptation than I do because I've been involved in just about every cycle not quite on time for every single one it wasn't until like um I would say the Wii was when I really started keeping up with it but that was also aligns with when I had my own disposable income 
reliable disposable income thanks to you know working a job that I was able to buy stuff on time and pre-order and whatnot. So give give us a rundown of like when you came to like the last couple generations of hardware that you've been involved in and, and those specifically the transitional period like when you were moving from what the one generation to the next and your feelings on each of those well i've had at least one piece of hardware from every generation since the ps2 you know i had the ps2 had the Wii, had the PS3, I had the Xbox One, I eventually got the PlayStation 4, had the Switch, and now I have, you know, all, all three of the current generation consoles, the Series X and the PS5. But it's only recently that I kind of really kept up with the generations. Um, you know, I've, there's been times on and off where I wasn't really playing games and I, you know, sold systems that I had and, and, um, uh so i i don't know if i've ever been like on on top of everything as much as you have um but i i now do consider myself enough of an enthusiast that i i do want to stay current um i didn't i didn't get the i didn't get the mid-gen upgrades the ps4 pro or the xbox one x uh at that time i wasn't as concerned about performance and uh i mean i I think it's about the games for me and only recently has it been about performance because i i wanted to wait to play final fantasy 7 remake until i could get the playstation 5 version because i thought i would enjoy it more uh and then ratchet and clank rift apart came out and i'm a big fan of that so that was another motivator for the playstation 5 um I, I, I guess I, I don't know what what exactly do you want to know? It's just I, I guess I've upgraded when I felt the urge to. I don't I don't think I'm ever like I gotta get it day one. And um, you know, I've never even been like I'm only gonna get this this um you know, this company's console. I didn't have the Xbox three sixty, but I guess I ended up getting the Xbox One early on because I wanted to play Sunset Overdrive, which is another insomniac game, and that was fun. And then I got the PS4 on a bundle for black friday the year that spider-man came out because i i wanted to play spider-man so i i guess it really is like if there's a game i want to play i or i i'm going to get the console that i need to play it for okay yeah and that that's basically what i was looking for is what your like feelings are as you were transitioning between the generations so i just want to i'll go back a bit further and you clearly have more of a playstation background so I, I always get kind of antsy with hardware, but as I've gotten older, I have slowed down and I'm not as interested in getting hardware day one. Uh, for example, with the Switch, I didn't get the Switch day one. I was like, that's pretty neat, that's pretty cool, but where are the games? I'm like, I have my Wii U and <laughs> I don't need to play Breath of the Wild on Switch. What, what's the point? I can just get it for Wii U. What else is there? And there really wasn't anything else at launch that I wanted. And I waited until Bayonetta 2 and... Oh, no, I, I bought Bayonetta 2 on Wii U. Uh, what was it? Um, Smash Bros. Ultimate had a release date that I bought it. And then that's when I started picking up games for Smash Bros., uh, for the Switch. I got Mario Kart. I bought Bayonetta 2, uh, Bayonetta 1 on Switch again. 
and a couple other games, Splatoon 2, and those were kind of my like launch games for for Switch. Uh, and but that was still like months into, if not a year or so, into its life cycle, because I just wasn't excited for the games. And before I was like, I need this, but there was like always a launch game. Like we, I wanted to play Twilight Princess day one, and I wanted to play it on the new hardware, which I don't regret. I think that was the smart move. So, Ed, do you recall like going back further, um, like? from PS2 to PS3, when you got your PS3, did your mind change at all? Did you feel like, oh man, I should have upgraded sooner? Or did were you happy like, oh man, I'm enjoying this? Do you, do you recall how you felt like once you've gotten new hardware, if you felt like you should have done it sooner? Or did you feel like you, you this was the right time and you're just happy and you've got the thing and you're just enjoying the moment? Do you, do you know where your headspace was as you've upgraded? Uh, well, first I had a thought you were, you were talking about how, when you, why you got your switch and I, I got mine, I think about a year or so after it came out, I think like May, 2018, I'm thinking. And the, the main reason I got it then is because I wanted to be able to play online with our friend, our friend, Mike, he, uh, we don't, we don't live in the same city. So I, I thought it would be a fun way to connect and, um, I think the first the first few games I got were Puyo Puyo Tetris and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. So we would play those online, and and that was multiplayer was the main reason, the first reason I got the Switch. Um, but I don't I I I remember when I got the PS3. I think I bought it like used on eBay. I I think that's why I bought it, and I sure. it was a good purchase. It was fine. Um, I. I don't remember what the game was that I bought it for. Uh, maybe it was God of War 3, because I remember having um, the God of War collection and then God of War 3. And I remember like my roommate in college just like taking over the PS3 because he wanted to play all those. And like, you know, that's that's cool. They're good games. Um, and I, I that might have been the reason I got it. When did God of War 3 come out? I don't remember. Um I don't either. Google it. But I got God of War 3. I remember I loved the God of War games on um PS2. I I I vividly remember playing the the yeah, 2010. So yeah, God of War 3 must have been it cuz 2010 was my the end of my that was like my between my freshman and and uh sophomore year of college. So I think it must have been God of War 3. And uh, I, I vividly remember playing like the God, of, the original God of War demo disc from like PlayStation Magazine, and like playing that game over and over. And like, I don't, I don't think my parents would let me get that game for a while, but I, that was like the one game I wanted to get, and I loved it. And I loved the second one, so I think that was the. I don't know if I, I had felt like, man, I should have gotten this sooner because the game that I bought it for had only come out recently, hmm. um, and the. PS3 didn't have like a huge library early on, did it? No, not like, early like, on. Wasn't wasn't the meme like PS3 has no games? I mean, that wasn't that, like the thing people always said online. It was the big joke about, you know, no no one wanted a PS3. It was like PS3 has no games. So it's like I don't think I felt like I should have gotten the PS3 earlier. I remember being pretty happy with it. I played a lot of games on it that I enjoyed. Uh I never got the 360. 
but I don't remember feeling like I missed out getting the 360 because I, I did prefer, and I guess I always have preferred games from Japan and PS3 had more of those, you know, a lot of what, um, the 360 had was Western developed games, which I, I played for fewer of those and always have, uh, PS4. I don't think I felt like I, I, I guess. No, I don't think I felt like I got it too late. Um, a lot of the games for PlayStation four that I ended up liking came out later in its lifetime, like Spider-Man death stranding was another big one that I was happy to have a PS4 for. Um, trying to think what else I played. Uh, but I, I, you know, there were ones early. I, I, I guess there were ones earlier that, that I tried like God of war. Oh no, God of war was 2018 too. So yeah, I guess a lot of the big, big hitters came out like in the last few years of the PS four. So I felt like I had enough time to catch up on the games that I wanted to play. Okay. Yeah. And thinking about like the generations, like there's so much to talk about with this is like, um, so all things it's getting to the point where people have been making these comparisons like because people buy new cell phones we get smartphones every year iphone iterates every year and you're you're an apple person you're a mac person um yeah so how often do you upgrade your your smartphone i usually i don't i don't think i have a strict schedule at which i upgrade but i usually upgrade when i i feel there's a compelling enough reason to mm-hmm I upgraded from the 6S to the 10 because my 6S was just freezing all the time. The screen broke and I got it replaced and I I think whoever replaced it did not do it right. So it would like always freeze. So it just, it wasn't working. And then I upgraded from the 10 to the 13 Pro last year, specifically because I wanted a bigger battery. And I also felt that the 10, the, the amount of memory it had, was a little limiting because I would notice like I would switch between apps and maybe the, the app that I used like three apps ago was already being purged from memory. And um, I also wanted to try the ProMotion screen, the 120 Hertz. So there were like a few reasons, few features that I wanted. And I bought my first MacBook in 2016. And then I upgraded to the newest MacBook Air when they, um, they, put out the m1 processor and i did that in 2021 and part of the reason was the new processor i wanted to try it out and um part of the reason the other reason was that the the keyboard on the 2016 macbook was this old butterfly design and it was just very prone to breakage and i actually had to get it replaced once already and I, I kind of was like, this is probably going to break eventually again. And they had redesigned the keyboard for the latest model to where it was much more reliable and, and at least reportedly. And and I haven't heard about any issues of it since. So I think it is. So I there were a few things where I, I think there are reasons to upgrade. So I, I don't just upgrade because I feel obligated to. You know, some people do it every year or two years, but there has to be like a feature that I, I want. Okay. But I yeah. probably upgrade. You said, I think you've told me before that you upgrade your iPhone every four years or so. Yeah, I try to do it every four years because I think that smartphones don't really change that much in terms of like the fundamental reasons I use them or the reasons we use them. 
So I think just every four years makes a lot of sense considering it's a device I use every day. I burn through that battery every single day. I'm now on like a two charge a day cycle. Um, although if I don't, if on days when I'm not using it a ton, like if I'm not listening to my podcast or watching YouTube videos and, and endlessly scrolling through Twitter, then the battery does actually still like last the whole day. And by the end, I can usually have still like 50 to 40% before there. And I'll top it off maybe a little bit if I know I'm going to be out and about just to make sure I'm not um, uh, in an emergency situation with low battery. But yeah, it does feel like what, even at full use, I was getting like nearly a full day's worth out of a single charge and I wouldn't have to recharge it until really late at night. Like I'd still have like 30 to 40% at the end of the day or now like at the end of my work day, if I've, um, I'm now having to recharge like right before like four or 5 PM. So that's, uh, I feel like it does get a little dated. Also, I went a little cheaper with the memory on this phone. I have the, the 10 S myself and I went with like a 128 and I now realize that that was a little, or actually what did I do? What did I, I think I went with 64 cause I was like, Oh, I'm not using that much on before. I didn't even get really close to 64 and now I'm feeling like, I mean, apps get bigger. I've downloaded a few more apps. I've taken pictures, video, etc. And I feel like now um, it's there. And these aren't upgradable either. So that, that uh, in terms of like, I can't keep my same phone and like slot in more memory. There's no, you know, SD card slot for Apple phones. Um, has this one? Yeah, this one's a 64 gig. So next time I'm going to go... Um, I'm going to go for broke and probably go for like max memory and stuff like that and just have well max memory now is one terabyte. Do you think you need one terabyte? Oh no, I don't need one terabyte, but I'll go for much yeah, you higher. Can, you can get up to one terabyte in the pro models now. App, uh, app, and I wouldn't go for the pro pro model. I would go for, um, what you call it. I would go for shoot. I would go, um, it would still be like the basic. I don't like the super huge models. Uh, my hands are, you know, sizable, but I just don't have a certain thing where I, I don't have a particular need for my uh, phone to be like practically a small tablet. Um, I like it to be more pocket sized, and I'm fine with that. Um, I remember where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. The thing I was going to say is, yeah, with the upgrade. So I think every four years is like a good cycle plus it gives them chance to like upgrade the hardware pretty much a significant amount because they usually do like half steps you know they'll do the main number then like the s model and then so on and so forth so like upgrading on the s model cycle means i get like the refined version of the hardware or whatnot and no matter what you're there's always going to be a new one so it's not like it's a big deal um but upgrading every year makes no sense considering how expensive the phones are and after four years, uh, luckily, I haven't needed to, like, buy a new phone from, like, a breakage or something like that. Um, but then with consoles, like, this is this is a bit different now. Technology moves differently, whereas, like, a phone is something we use daily. And consoles, not counting not counting PCs, is, like, it, it you know, it's an entertainment thing. How, how long do you feel like these consoles should be around? Like, do you like the current cadence of, like, maybe like five to six years or do you feel like that you would be okay with like there being a shorter cycle of the consoles because they keep stepping it up and do you think like 
these, you know, how do you feel about some of these different iterations in terms of like, we just start, last generation was unique where we started getting like the PS4 Pro, the Xbox One X, and the Xbox One S, and now Xbox has the series system. So, and there's rumors of a PS5 Pro being in the works, though, who knows how that's going to pan out. So, what do you, and then there's the handhelds, which iterated much more. So, what's your feelings currently on like mid cycle iterations on systems uh, so far? Well, I, you mentioned that, you know, last generation was different with the PS4 Pro. You know, we didn't have a mid-gen upgrade in previous gens. But I think this generation may be even different too because, you know, now with the Xbox and the PlayStation 5, uh, and the, the Series X and the PlayStation 5, we, we know that they will support nearly every PS4 and Xbox One game. So it's like this full backwards ca- compatibility is is expected and is is there. And, you know, that means that having a cross-gen game uh, is possible and and maybe even likely for years to come. You know, if a game isn't pushing the limits of the system, it, it's going to make sense for them to release on the PS4 as well um, or the Xbox One when, um, you know, they're going to have a larger audience. Um, and And we may even see that, you know, may, maybe there is the PlayStation 6, but maybe the PlayStation 6 is what the PS5 Pro would be. You know, I, I mean, it's all branding, but really, it, ultimately, if it's just a newer model that plays the same games at a better quality and people who have the older model still have the option of playing those games, then I, I think that's a great scenario because then the, the people who really care about the f- fidelity of those games can upgrade sooner but you don't have to to keep playing. So I I could see them going on like a three or four year cycle just with the idea that, you know, you're going to have trailing level of, of uh, cross gen support and it's just going to, but, and, but I, I think having um, that number would be important because you need some way to signal to people who are buying a game on a shelf that this is not going to work on your prior gen. So it's going to be tough because I, I think I think it would be a good idea. Like Sony would benefit from being able to sell new hardware to the people who want it, but still being able to sell games to the people who don't want to upgrade. So I think I don't think we necessarily need to or should have to wait six or seven years to get a big step up because it's kind of becoming more like pcs where you know you you play what your hardware allows you to and you upgrade when you're ready um and if you want better graphic settings that's when you upgrade and if you're okay with lower ones you don't have to so you know now that the architecture is kind of standardized versus you know ps3 and xbox 360 all those generations before where there was a major reinvention each generation yeah i don't i don't think you're gonna have to wait four five six seven years or more to get a new upgrade um and i think the console makers would be smart to you know take money from people who want to give them more money for better hardware yeah and 
we got to add a little bit of history context to things. So like with last generation, the PS4 and the Xbox One, that was an interesting situation because after the 360 and the PS3 started topping out on sales, for some weird reason, the company started thinking people don't want consoles anymore. And that was like this weird corporate mindset that, oh, people are just done with consoles. Like, no, you saturated the market. You can't have infinite growth. That doesn't exist. That's not how it works. So then they kind of hedged their bets on the PS4 and the Xbox One, and they kind of released better but middling specs for these. Like, they weren't quite top-of-the-line CPUs or GPUs in terms of hardware capabilities. Although, it did get Sony to trust Mark Cerny to create a much more, especially after the, the way the first half of PS3's life cycle went, with its proprietary cell processor and other interesting like high cost uh, features, it, it let them create a much more budget hardware thing with much more universal parts and going to x86 architecture and being like, hey, let's just do this. It's much more reliable, which has paid off in the long run. And the PS5, as we see, is you know largely a, just a systematic upgrade of the PS4 for, for good. Uh, and the PS4 Pro, if I recall properly, for the most part, I don't think they upgraded the CPU. I think they just basically put on a second, they put a second CPU, GPU chip on the board so that way it was basically like a what's what's the term like um, like in computers it's where they're using like two graphics cards they're like SLI'd together um, so uh, to my understanding that's what the PS4 Pro basically was so uh, then they they found out like oh these things kept selling people like the PS4 Pro took off it's sold over 100 million cop uh, consoles and Xbox of course took its poor messaging for uh, strategy and digital content and not focusing on gaming and floundered. But the they realized the market is definitely still there. And now with PS5 and then in the late half of Xbox One where they started making the series, uh, the, um, you know, the X and the S consoles with their beefed up specs, people, people are there and it, the, the PS5 is selling as fast as it can. People love it. The Xbox Series X and S are selling decently um, it, it's, it was this misconception and now we're get we have like a super huge thing. And of course people are buying the switch in droves. Like the switch is now outsold the Wii in terms of total sales, which lifetime sales, which is fantastic as well. We another hundred million, uh, some console sales. So though that's historical context there. And then for our day and age now, we're, we're kind of ignoring the chip shortage because I think that may resolve itself in a couple of years. Um, as they they ramp up and like pandemic situation changes and hopefully gets better, but also they're just creating more factories because there's now more demand for chips in general. So it just takes time for them to build up factories and ramp that up. So I think that's something that's gonna, that supply chain issue is going to get mostly fixed. Um, so I don't think that we don't we need to consider that just yet. Um, in terms of whether or not that uh, console cycle should really be affected by that. While, yes, if it stays short, the simple answer is, of course, maybe we need to go longer, but you just need to make really solid steps. And I think with the PS5's current power, the, the base PS5, I don't think they're really going to need to do an upgrade for a while. I think the fact that we can get baseline, like definitely 1080p 60, but we're seeing like 4K or like, 1440p at 60 fps at minimum for the most part and they're 
developers are now able to dynamically like shift between those and include performance settings and stuff like that for a rock solid 60 fps experience yeah i think these hardwares are this hardware is going to last a, can last a really long time and there's not going to be i don't really think there is really a need for a mid-generation upgrade for the system um quick side note you know like ed do you uh have you ever bought one of the like mid-generation design refreshes where it's kind of like the slim version of the console and do you have any desire to do that for any of your current consoles or um or like the switch would you be looking for like a bulky switch instead with something that be more enhanced ergonomics or something like that i don't know or just better battery life or whatever yeah actually i a lot of consoles i think i've only gotten on board once they've uh put out the slim revision so the only PS4 that I had was the PS4 Slim, and the uh, the PS3 that I had was also the Slim. And I think I later had a Super Slim because I think my PS3 Sim just died for whatever reason, so I ended up getting the Super Slim. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the the DS Lite, which I love the DS Lite. That was such oh, a yeah. polished piece of hardware from so Nintendo. Good. I don't think they've ever put anything so refined out before that or since like it just the way it closes is so nice that it's it's a really nice piece of hardware the i i guess the only downside of it is that game boy advance games stick out of it a little bit too far but you know you get it to play ds games i will say this actually i don't want to completely dunk on nintendo for uh the switch and stuff i will say the switch oled is amazing it is basically the ds Lite of the switch even though the Switch actually is really polished in terms of hardware, but it's just the the better backstand, um, the the screen size, using OLED, of course, and I thought there was like one other. I think they're using better speakers on there, but that's that's only a, a deal if it's handheld. Um, the better dock, the dock is better. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I do want to say like it is a good revision. It's just sad that it's more expensive and it wasn't. Like in this, it should have been the original, which it's it sucks that Nintendo cheaped out and, and didn't do it. Um, I also want to say the GameCube is just an incredibly polished piece of hardware. And they never, I don't think they ever did any sort of like visual revision for that. Um, that one's fine. Uh, the Wii is also really solid looking. Like, at, like, talk about like nailing it one and done. I know they did that like, uh, red edition version later that was like no online and no GameCube ports and stuff like that. But Wii version one is an amazing piece of tech. Uh, GameCube is an amazing piece of tech without any sort of, you know, a- adjustments or revisions there. L- similar to like DS Lite. Um, I did think the DSi was pretty slick looking when it first came out, but it sucks that they did drop the the Game Boy slot on there. Um, that that was very disappointing for a lot of people. Um, Three. I also I also have the three the new 3ds XL. Um, I got that because they had the special edition Metroid uh, Samus Returns one, mm-hmm. um, and I ended up getting that. I think I got a refurbished model because I didn't get it at the time when it came out because I was like just getting back into games. I didn't I didn't even know Metroid Samus Returns was coming out until like a couple weeks before it came out. So that was actually like a really cool surprise. You know, nowadays I know about every game I'm going to play months or years in advance. So that was cool. Um, But I liked the new 3DS XL. I thought that's a pretty polished piece of hardware too. 
but it does have that dumb little analog numb for the right analog stick, which is kind of a, a misstep. But it does it it is a solid piece of hardware, and I think it um you know it the hinge is really solid. You know, remember remember the original 3DS, how wobbly the hinge was? And and they also had the issue where like the top screen would leave marks on the bottom screen. Like it was not a polished piece of hardware. Yeah. Um, a couple other revisions I want to shout out. Uh, the PS1. You remember the original PlayStation that really like way late in its uh, generation, they came out with that revision that was like small and round and like portable. It came with like the top screen or was built for that top screen. That's sick. I wish I would have had that. I never had it, but it's like imagine if that would have been like the first version, like the small little thing you just like. Oh man, that's crazy. Uh, PS2 Slim was pretty cool. I did have that. It was nice to just have the pop top. I really appreciated it. That that was also really nice but that i i think it's one of those things where like when they come out they were like top of the line pieces of hardware and you can only get to that through iteration and, and sales and and the the tech changing um i i was trying to remember i i guessed the wrong thing but xbox 360 had two slim versions so there was the original 360 then they did the elite which is just the basically the black colored one with better hard drive oh and uh support for um HDMI, that was the next big thing. Then they did the slim Wi-Fi version, uh, which looked really cool, but it was all shiny instead of matte finish, which was unfortunate. And then uh, 360 got a second slim version, which I'm not sure if you've seen before, Ed, but I'm showing you the picture on the camera there. It, they basically finally made it a completely symmetrical design there. It, and looks, it looks like the PS4. With the like half glossy, half matte. Yeah, it is, it, but it's fully uh, one shape. It's not like octagonal. It's just like a rectangle. I like the the eraser shape. Yeah, it looks, and which I do like. I actually, I think the PS, the original PS4's um, design is fantastic. I think that was like one and done. Other than like the half matte, half thing, and also like asymmetrical feet that always made it wobble and and stuff like that. I think, but I love that that uh, trapezoidal shape. For the PS4, and I was so upset with the PS4 Pro being that layer cake design. It, it's a it's a parallelogram. I, I think. Oh, parallelogram. Remember, Pardon I think me. You need to remember your your geometry from high school. Pardon me. I'm a little le uh, lack lacking on sleep uh, from last night. So uh, <laughs> up late night gaming, um, and and hardware teching stuff. So forgive me, please. So, some sort of quadrilateral. Yes. Yes. Uh, trying to think. What else? Xbox One was really rough. Uh, the slim version they eventually did, they sleeked it out. The Xbox One S is actually really sleek. It sucks that it doesn't have a, a disk drive. I get why they're doing that. Um, also, the Xbox Series X. Like, I personally am a huge fan of it. The only thing I think is unfortunate is that the circular stand in the bottom for its vertical orientation is permanently on. I don't think you could take that off. And I think that's really weird. But, uh, yeah, both those consoles look amazingly sleek and i like that uh the design philosophy they went to the only thing i think is weird about the 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 series s is the big black circle vent on the top on that like otherwise pristine rectangle and i feel like they just could have integrated that vent in a much more like aesthetically pleasing way at least from my perspective um but otherwise like yeah th those hard pieces of hardware are fantastic um even though they're not i love revisions. i love the way the series x looks 
I, I, I mean, people make fun of it, like the whole fridge meme, the refrigerator meme. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's a really solid piece of hardware, and I, 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 I think it's better designed than the PS5. I think people got over that Series X real quick because the PS5 looks so much weirder, and it so collar. Yeah, and it looks like so many other electronic devices out there, which is the funniest thing. Like you. Sony apparently tried to go for something unique that like people would go like, oh, what is that? When actually people are now going, wait, what is that? Because like it, it's all a different tone because now it looks like routers and fans and several other like electronics and homes where it's like actually that backfired on you guys and it looks really silly. Um, and I, I bought some third party plates, so now mine's got blue plates on it instead of the white. And I think that looks way better. I like it. And it's the Sony blue and the, that nice dark blue. So, uh. I, I really like that, and I'm curious to see what happens if um if they do the Switch Five uh Switch Five Pro is what I was about to say, the <laughs> PlayStation Five Pro. I wonder what that's going to look like if they're going to, um, really adjust that modeling again. Also, uh, I guess to the biggest loser, PS3. They just never got that design right. It has always looked like some semblance of a George Foreman grill. And they just never, like, gave in and accepted, like, nah, we designed this really terribly. We should just completely reshape it so that way it looks neat, you know? Um, but then they got it right with the PS4, so I'll, I'll give them that. I thought the PS3 Slim was a pretty nice-looking piece of hardware. I, I guess, like, you could argue that the rounded top was dumb. It is. But I liked that, I liked that it was all matte plastic. I liked that it was... Just that very was the solid and it, and it run it ran cooler than the the original PlayStation 3 so it I think it was a very very good mid-gen redesign um the matte finish if, was the best thing yeah yeah I, I love matte everything should be matte glossy yeah. should just be they shouldn't even consider making anything glossy it's it's never a good idea well here's the thing with that I will give one uh one caveat to, or not one caveat, I'll give one point to Glossy 4. It does look pretty cool, but it should always be optional. And I think this is where, like, we're seeing this, and it, I don't know why it's just not a trend more now other than probably it's an engineering nightmare or it's a product, like, liability nightmare, is, like, replaceable decorative plates. 360 had the replaceable faceplate. Uh, Nintendo experimented with it on the new 3DS with the detachable faceplates on, on that last version there, or on the top plate, I should say. PlayStation 5 now lets you switch out the plates and, and have those. Um, yeah, I don't know why they don't let you do more of that. Always trying to sell more hardware with these special editions when they could easily make way more money from just selling like tons and tons of official plates with different designs and putting those out for people. And they'd make so much more money than what they do from reselling consoles uh, or making those special editions. Because then people will spend, you know, like, Sony's charging $55 for its official plates, 55 US, for its official plates in like four different colors. You can already get cheaper ones that are third party that are not patent infringing that look almost identical. And it's like, I'm sure that's way more affordable than constantly making these special editions that nobody can get. And people will, like, the, the, I'm, I'm imagining the margin on the plates is super high. Uh, I don't think like fifty. I don't think it costs them like you know forty five dollars on the on the dollar or whatever for the per batch for them, and their margins only like ten bucks. I I'm pretty sure it's much higher uh, for those things. But who knows? Maybe it, maybe they are making them pretty cheap and 
it's not or make maybe they are a bit more expensive or whatnot because of the molding and their weird shaping i don't know but i'm assuming that stuff like that must be more profitable it's just other weird business strategies overlapping and you know companies don't always make the smartest forward-thinking decisions because they think that this way serves their business model better just like sony with the pc initiative like they didn't understand but now that all their internal developers are clamoring for it and now they're seeing the huge returns on their games coming to pc and selling you know millions more copies and just bringing them even more profit than before they're like i guess it makes sense we'll, we'll just keep doing this going forward um but yeah getting back to the console cycles so yeah, was there any particular revisions you thought like shouldn't have existed? Maybe the original 2DS. That thing mm. was pretty bad. Like the, the doorstop. The door. The doorstop. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's not even a good idea for kids because the screen is exposed. You think kids are gonna put it in the case after they're done with it? No, they're just gonna like throw it on the ground, step on it, and you know it's. Counterpoint. It, it wasn't good for anyone. Counterpoint. Uh, while it, it was funny looking, I think the 2DS's wedge design actually was way more ergonomic. Uh, the way the shoulder buttons and the way your hands wrapped around it. Uh, for the few for the few moments I was able to get my hands on one, so I will give it that. And counterpoint to what you're saying about for kids, it not having moving parts is probably far more reliable because Nintendo products are pretty durable overall it's when they started using hinges for things that people started like that things really started breaking it started back on the game boy advance sp which once again another great revision of a great idea and was fantastic yeah, how could we for, how could we forget that um so going to a hingeless design is uh still more durable than having a hinge and so, yeah, kids might not put it back in their case, but kids are kids. Kids are going to find ways to break and spill things and do whatever to damage it because they're kids. They don't know any better. That's just how it goes. Um, and also adults. Adults can have that too. So something that doesn't move as much and doesn't have parts that could fail and render the system unplayable other than like really significantly damaging it, I think that makes sense. Um, yeah, I always laughed at like the 2DS coming out and like removing the 3D. I'm like, you gave up on your gimmick? And the, uh, I'll use that as a transition there. Um, I didn't really need the 3D. I think it would have been better if they didn't invest in the in the 3D and just went for a much higher spec handheld. But here we are with the Switch, so what am I really complaining about? And with the, uh, with the Xbox One, when they said they were going to bundle the Kinect in with everything, I actually thought that's a great idea. I thought they should have taken the loss on it and should have gone with 400 and kept it in there. Um, and I know that people weren't using it, but I I felt like the Kinect had potential for gaming with its like motion gestures or using it for like gyro assisting and motion aiming. Because I'm never... I'm chasing after that feeling again of when I was playing the Wii and I was playing Resident Evil 4 and also Metroid Prime 3. And it just felt so natural to aim with the reticle in my wrist. It was like the closest thing. Uh, Ed is pointing to his cat that is, is, <laughs> is left he's on all... top. He's on top of the the kitchen cabinets in the back corner of my apartment. It's really funny. He's just in the back corner of the screen, and he's just tucked up in that corner, just watching. It's so funny. Uh, yeah. So the. Uh, 
that that feeling because it's like w w there, the mouse is perhaps the best right analog stick ever and for aiming and stuff like that for first person shooters as popular as they are not just first person third person any type of shooter really um it's really useful for a lot of stuff it's just not for like third person games and things like that that's a little bit different it's not quite built the same but we got so close with the Wii remote it's it's motion tracking technology was just kind of antiquated everything okay yeah he's 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 going crazy did she did he just leap all the way down i missed his his dismount yeah he you know he leapt down to the refrigerator then the stove oh, then okay. the floor then he leapt up on the desk and he was behind the laptop i don't know what my cat's doing he's just going insane he doesn't like you recording the podcast he gets very no he keeps trying he keeps trying to disturb me he wants to be part of the crew and he is he is sabotaging his your efforts uh until he is involved um but let let him let him know he he is recognized by by the crew he is a crew an official crew member um <clears throat> yeah so You're i was talking about the, you were talking about the connect yeah so i thought the connect had a lot of things and even though i wasn't really interested in the voice commands i'm like yeah it's it's another thing it's really cool like why not let let's have it there and let's and because this is another thing and i and i'm segueing using this as a segue as well is each generation also sets a new standard for its controls and it's been proven based on like when the Kinect first launched with the 360, like despite how cool it could be. And this is also like with the 3DS with its right analog nub and not having it from the start and other things like that. Man, um, if you don't have the controls established at the beginning, people are just not going to use it. It's not going to be standardized. People don't understand. Uh, uh, developers are not going to want to use it, especially when they're trying to port between consoles. This is much more like um, you know, pla uh, cross-platform experience these days. It just doesn't make sense to have as many exclusive features to your controls, and it, and it also doesn't make sense for your console if it's going to have exclusive stuff to not make it standardized to the point that like people are just not going to use them. And I think people have really come are, are really enjoying the Dual Sense for PlayStation Five with its uh, haptic feedback. It's really you know detailed haptic rumble, the the adaptive triggers, despite them being uh, very risky in terms of potential for failure, um, but people are enjoying that. the The touchpad's much better. It's, but it is a lot of extra features that we really don't need. Like the Xbox Series controller, I think it's it's my new personal favorite as a default controller. To the point that I I I love it so much, but I'm also used some Pro controllers where I have the extra buttons. So I'm like desperately waiting for the the Series Three of the Elite, which will copy the the exact same D pad plus some of the other ergonomics to it and add the back paddles. But I was really hoping with these new controllers, we'd also get standardized back paddles. So it, it's kind of weird because I love that Series controller, and I think the DualSense, like the DualSense, doesn't have any third party controllers right now, other than modified versions of the default that are coming from those extreme Pro controller like websites so I, I think there's a, a double-edged sword when it comes to like changing up features too much so ed what's your feeling about like, with console generations and like them changing up their controls and it wasn't until like the previous gener the wii and moving forward that we started really seeing controls start to like significantly change in like what their feature set was beyond simply improving and kind of standardizing the buttons which is you know the four shoulders two being trigger the four face buttons, the D-pad, the two system function buttons, and now a third system function button, and our two analog sticks that can click in. So, like, other than universal stuff like wireless, having battery, 
uh, being able to go from rechargeable battery to to replaceable battery, et cetera, and so on. You know, what's your feelings on like the the controls of the generation, and how do you feel about those like those adjustments when it comes to like the platforms? Uh, well, well, first I wanna I wanna voice my agreement that the Connect is a seriously interesting piece of hardware. Um, there's a lot of cool projects that people do with a connect connected to the PC where they just use it as this like depth sensing camera. There's this one YouTube channel that I've watched, um, called stuff made here. And on one, on one, uh, video, this guy made a, a basketball hoop that as you were shooting at it, it would use a connect to track the ball and then like move the hoop to catch your ball so it's like you shoot at it you can't miss so so the connect is like a seriously capable and like advanced piece of hardware and i i i think you're right if they had if they had eaten the cost of the connect and and also maybe not messed up their messaging about used and digital games like there's an alternate universe here where like maybe that stuff catches on and becomes huge just because people went with the momentum of the Xbox 360 and got the Xbox one because it was a, a, an appealing upgrade. So like, let's, let's stop here and consider like what could have been, but um, I, I, I do think having gimmicks can be fun. I, I think the, uh, I actually kind of like the speaker on the uh, PS4 and, and PS5 oh, yeah. controllers not a lot of games use it, but I specifically remember really enjoying um, in Death Stranding your BB crying through the speaker. I don't know if you remember that. I, yeah, I do. I thought that was. I thought that was that was cool. I, 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 I have my speaker set to off on the controller because it just gets annoying. But it, some of that stuff was pretty interesting when they do use yeah. it. Once again, and I. I. Sorry, quick anecdote. One, one of my favorites, like the Wii Remote famously had a speaker on it and one of my favorite uses of that was in silent hill shattered memories where th there were some times where you get like spooky phone calls in certain parts and so you'd have to put the speaker up to your head like a cell phone and listen to it and that was such a just a great use of doing it and it would come through really crackly and took advantage of the speaker not being that great uh for for atmosphere and effect so yeah i i can really get down with that stuff uh please continue and i i I'm kind of excited to see what they do with the DualSense because there are a lot of third-party games who are using it. And I, I think even on PC, some games like are able to support it. So Steam has I, I, Steam yeah. has its controller. Um, I forget what the official name is, but it's it's optimization and built-in like controller support. And it was it's been updating the firmware support for PlayStation Five DualSense controllers and for haptic feedback adaptive triggers and so games that support it that have it built into their executables it can be um supported through steam yeah and i think that maybe um sony with the dual sense has struck a balance between unique hardware and maybe like the effort that's required to take advantage of it because something like the Connect or the Wii, Wii Remote, you really have to like design your entire game around it. Whereas with the DualSense, I I think I, you know I'm not a developer, but it seems like uh, it's it's not like 
a gargantuan effort to add features that take advantage of those triggers and haptic feedback to where like it's it may be worth investing in that just to improve the experience um even though maybe that's not available on xbox but you know maybe down the line xbox does something similar um i don't i don't know what the patents are but um you know maybe they maybe they add their own features but I, I think for a gimmick to be successful, it maybe has to be sufficiently advanced enough to make to make a difference. And I say this in a way in, in this because I don't think the the HD rumble in um, the Switch is really that great. <laughs> I, I I was I was listening to another podcast recently, and they were talking about like the only thing that was ever cool about the HD Rumble was like feeling ice cubes in a glass. <laughs> like nothing else even came close as far as that tech demo, which are, I think they were right about that. And I, I I think the the adapter triggers and the haptics in the PS5 are like a step above to where investing in them does make a difference in the in the experience of the game but isn't like too hard to where it's not worth it so um i'm i'm kind of excited to see what they do with that you know i haven't loved every implementation but it's cool to it makes it feel a little more next gen you know the xbox series x is just a more powerful xbox one where the ps5 feels like a a a step up and um you know, maybe this is a segue into another conversation, but another thing that makes the PS5 seem like a step up is they they redesign the the user interface. Like it's a it's a an upgrade from the PlayStation 4, whereas Xbox Series X has kind of just been same thing. Um, so, you know, we I don't know if you had any more to say about gimmicks, but I I kind of want to talk about how redesigning the interface can be a big part of a console cycle yeah i had one more thing about the controls and i wanted to ask you this question is because it's it's interesting because xbox has straddled the line really well by they have their standard xbox controller and on xbox one they iterated the controller several times because the first version wasn't bad but it had component it had a weird feel to it in several parts and so what they did is they did a second generation uh, or a second gen version of the controller that fixed up a bunch of things then they did a third tweak to it and it felt a lot better as well and so by the end the xbox one controller was all was pretty much as good if not a little bit better than the 360 controller and for those who are xbox fans they'll know that 360 popularized the offset sticks um and everything else about the controller people loved except for the d-pad the d-pad was always trash until they did their last generation of it which improved it in most respects, but was still a bit rough. And once again, they, they went to Xbox One, took their lessons, really updated it, and it felt pretty good for the most part. But the D-pad was not uh, was way too stiff. The sticks were way too loose. The triggers felt way too loose, in my opinion. The the bumpers were way too hard to press. And then eventually, they like took all that to heart and said, like, let's just get this right. And they basically said, second-gen controller, completely fixed. Like, here it is, like, the D-pad feels better, the bumpers feel better, we changed up some stuff, and then they did, like, a third generation of it where they further refined it, and it was, like, it felt amazing, in my opinion. Um, then they took all those lessons, and it, they did the Elite controller, they adjusted things, they took all that information, and now uh, we have the series, the base series controller. And then with, like, PlayStation, 
you know, uh, at the very tail end of PlayStation 4, they released that back bumper accessory pack. So what I was saying is, or, and then, oh, Wii, like they did the, the Wii Motion Plus accessory. So, Ed, I wanted to get your thoughts on, with controls regarding generations and with some mid-cycle stuff, how do you feel about the idea of if they had, like, a really cool feature, and I don't know what you'd consider a really cool feature for the controllers, but if they were to change the standard of the controls mid-generation, how, how do you feel about that idea? Do you think that's something that's worthwhile if there's, like, a really good feature or they just want to take it in a different direction? Or even, say, for, like, the dual sense because it's so expensive and, like, weird, uh, like feature-rich that's almost too exclusive to itself? What if they did, like, a basic controller that like took a lot of the dual sense stuff out like no adaptive triggers lower haptic rumble no touchpad even i don't think you need the touchpad for any sort of um uh like critical user interface stuff i'm not sure though but what what do you think about that changing up the control standard like mid generation as opposed to like per you know full generation what's what's your thoughts on that idea i don't think it's a good idea unless you're like maybe improving on what's already there. Like, I think the Wii Motion Plus was a good idea because, you know, the original Wii gyro and accelerometer were pretty weak and inaccurate. Um, the back button attachments I'm okay with, but I'm kind of glad that they they didn't standardize them because, I, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but, like, I I I feel like the buttons right now are like of a good complexity and I don't know if I would want like developers relying on two four six more buttons on the back to like expand the complexity of their controls. I think I I can't think of too many games that I've played where I felt like it it needed more buttons and I I I don't want developers to like get lazy and make their controls more complicated just because they don't want to think like of a, like, I, I think it's good to have the option as like remappable. So maybe if they included it and the only functionality was to like remap it to front buttons, but I don't want to have to like claw around my control. Like it doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. So I'm, I'm glad that that's not the default that um, developers have to work with to where instead of what are they now? Like, 16 or 20 different buttons you know it, it, up to like 24 or 26 like that just or i don't want that for what i'm i i don't know just whatever number of inputs you have now i don't want two four six more of them i know i know you got that um that razor ps4 controller and that has like an extra set of triggers and xbox like two, yeah i have the new xbox yeah, that, that one looks insane i don't want to have to learn that but. i've I have the Wolverine Chroma V2, and as I've expressed before, like it's um, it's really more useful for like shooters and to some extent action games. I'm trying to use it more with Scarlet Nexus right now, and trying to use the extra buttons to see if I can acclimate to that. It's definitely affected my performance in Halo, Halo Infinite. I I've definitely noticed like first-person shooters, it's way easier to do a bunch of things I couldn't really do as well by switching between the right stick and the face buttons. Um, and I think for action games, and we discussed this a little bit, uh, and it really kind of starts with rebuilding the muscle memory. Actually, I could say, like, while I was trying to adapt to, like, using it on PS4 with that, and this, don't you have a third-party Switch controller, Switch Pro controller that has back paddles? Yeah, I don't use them, though. 
I was going to say, dude, like when we were playing Mario Kart 8 Deluxe a ton, I used the back bumper as my accelerate so I could always have my thumb on like an item or use like the rear view camera sometimes. I think like you start with that and you start to see like, oh, oh, this, this is really nice to be using this specific button here. But it is also kind of like an ergonomics thing where it's like it was a big paddle. So I didn't really feel like it wasn't hard to press, but it also wasn't easy to miss. So I never felt it. So it didn't get in my way. And it was like just switching that one function to like let my fingers focus on other buttons ended up being super impactful to my experience, even for something as simple as Mario Kart, where I don't need to use the right analog stick. Just being able to drift, like to be able to not have to switch my fingers for drifting, always having a, a finger on the accelerator is really good. Not that you can't kind of mimic that with some of the um, uh, with some of the feature, some of the other features or whatnot. Or if it had a remappable controls, you could easily do things on triggers and whatnot. But um, yeah, because Mario Kart's still old school, where you have to hold down the A button. You don't uh, use the right trigger to accelerate. If, am I remembering right? Yeah. And that's because the Switch doesn't use analog triggers, which is another thing. Like non-standardized controls. Like Nintendo kind of basically said, we don't need analog buttons on our controller um even though weren't, weren't they the first to do it back on the gamecube yeah yeah i don't, I don't. And they gave up they gave up on them no and wait those, wait those wait, were, wait, those were... wait wait they weren't the first to do it um was it was it sega dreamcast uh maybe no not. sega dreamcast came out about mid no no i think playstation playstation one started with the no playstation two PlayStation 2 had analog triggers, didn't it? No, that was PS3. The, no, PS3. The, the, the face buttons were analog on they were PlayStation analog. 2 analog. That was, that was yeah. weird. PlayStation 3 did have triggers. PlayStation 3 had triggers, but they were those, yeah. you know, they, they didn't have the hooks on them, so people kept they were, sliding they up were their fingers. Con, they were convex, so your yeah. fingers would just, like, slip off. Yeah. Them. Uh, the GameCube had them, but that, yeah, that was before the PS3. Xbox had them. Dreamcast had them. That's where it was popularized was GameCube, and then it was evolved from there. So, yeah, and then they just went back to, I guess we don't need analog triggers. And in, to some extent, there's a lot of games that don't need analog triggers. Um, so it is kind of like a... It does make a lot of sense in certain ways, but considering every other console does it and pretty much like everyone likes it, I don't see why they don't have analog triggers to some degree. And that, that would be something I'd like to see evolved on the Joy-Cons. They should add back on analog triggers. Um, and maybe, they, maybe they didn't feel like it could fit it. And the, the Joy-Con's a pretty small controller. Maybe they didn't feel like it could fit it in the Joy-Con and have it still meet the size that they wanted. So that design decision of how big they wanted the Joy-Con to be maybe drove that decision. Because mm, mm. there, there is I mean, like, that's, that's a, know, that is a realistic... You have, you have to have room for the trigger, trigger to travel mechanism, yeah. when when you you know pull it and i i can't see how they could have fit that in the joy con i mean they could have it probably would have needed to be a little bit thicker but that's one of the things so i once again i'm not an engineer i feel like that is a solvable thing i think feel like there's been smaller analog triggers and stuff like that on other devices uh nothing's coming to mind but that it might be something that i've not thought of or like those mobile controllers and stuff like that so i don't know um who who knows? I'm not sure that, but that is very very possible. That it's just like, why do this when it's small? But think about it. Like they would have figured it out if it was a function that they felt was was useful. Like the HD Rumble, you don't really need the HD Rumble for anything. They had this pie in the sky idea that you'd like feel this stuff, and then it's like not used. Despite the fact that like everyone loves the DualSense stuff, so there's like 
there is an appeal, but I guess it takes the vision to to successfully pull it off. I don't know. Um, so we'll we'll see about that. Uh, if if they'll do that, but that's something I think they could bring back easily is just have the analog triggers again. Um, trying to think. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, with the console generations. I guess you know we're nearing the end of the episode here. So, Ed, do you feel like what what do you feels like your i uh, you have your PS5 now? Do you feel like do you think you might buy the PS5 Pro if it comes out? What would what would it take? To get you to buy the PS5 Pro and be like, you know what, I gotta, I gotta upgrade here. Is there anything about the PS5 currently? Oh, sorry, you know what? Forget my question. You had something you wanted to talk about with the interface. Oh yeah, I, I just, my, my point was that I think having a new interface is something that is appealing about a new console. Like I remember the cross media bar and the PS3 and the PSP. I really liked that. I think a lot of people really like the cross media bar. I think people didn't love the PlayStation 4 interface. It's always felt kind of sluggish um, in some ways, especially the PlayStation store. And I, I, I do like the new PlayStation 5 interface. It, the cards are kind of weird. I don't know if I've gotten much out of those, but like it's fast where, I mean, I, 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 the, I never liked the 3DS interface. That was always like slow as molasses. And I think the Wii U was similar. I actually really like the Switch interface, even though like people will complain about all the missing features it has. But to me, it's like, it's fast. It's unobtrusive. It gets you right into the game. And that's all I care about. You know, I don't, some people complain about the lack of folders or themes, but those are things that don't matter to me. Um, so I think, I think having a new interface, um, is even just for the sake of making it feel new, I, I think a lot of people had the complaint that the Xbox interface doesn't feel like a new console. And I think that's valid. You know, pe I, people always talk about like, how they, they reminisce about the blades on the Xbox 360, which I never used the blades because I never had an Xbox 360, but they, they later got rid of those. I just, I, I, I guess my point is, I, I think having a new redesigned interface is something that, maybe makes a console feel new and exciting. And and if they nail that, it's just icing on the cake. Well, considering that a lot of that is software and we get these firmware updates fairly frequently and up and they update the OS. I mean, some stuff comes in real hot. Uh, PS5 had some usability issues that people were complaining about and it were make, make, made a lot of people upset. Um, do you really think we need that big stuff should be saved until mid-generation? Or considering that I think we're, we're on a theme where we'd prefer to see things blend together better so that way we can have guaranteed backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility for our software instead of constantly losing our libraries in between generation. Um, do you feel like that with the operating system? Like it should, They should do kind of like what Windows does, what, what Microsoft does with Windows, where you can just get big revisions or your hardware. Um, I know part of the thing is standardization across consoles. So do you think, it, and it's controversial because Xbox has changed up its design. People love the blades, still talk about them and are still really upset for the more commercialized UI and the weird like tablet formatting and their stuff that happened with Xbox one. Um, and apparently I think it's a bit better with the series, but I'm not sure it's still not quite back to the elegance of the blades. So 
do you think that is like worth waiting for for generations or do you think like you know had your choice you'd want them to just roll out big good updates sooner or where's your what do you think about that i i think if the previous gen has some like serious deficiencies in its design it's probably a good idea to redesign it um I guess the Xbox One was pretty functional. It was fast. Like it, 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 it didn't have any performance issues. Like I felt like it did have performance issues. It could be it? pretty slow. Yeah. Was it? Well, maybe I'm. I guess. I guess. It, I guess maybe it just benefited. Maybe it benefited from the upgrade in the Series X. But it. I or, don't know. It's hard it's, for me to say on Xbox because it, it I, I hadn't used an Xbox One for a while. And before I got the Series X. Yeah, when they upgraded the specs in just the the One X model, then it was definitely much better. Uh, it was already running better because they just had better hardware. And that's part of the thing is too, like all the other systems you named that were like not functioning quite as well, they had issues where they weren't, um, they they were bottlenecked by the the processors that they had. And now. They, you know, they put much more effort into the hardware that they've got, so they're not quite as bottlenecked. Also, having a solid-state hard drive to run the stuff off of makes makes it go much faster as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we're kind of in a new technology era here. Um, I would personally like to see them rolling out those features much more frequently, and I think they should, you know, do the updates and continue to do that. And we shouldn't have to wait for new generations for, like, major fixes to improve the quality of life for players who currently have their hardware. Um, I'd like to see a much more smoother transition between generations. Um, I don't know if I necessarily... I uh, Considering how expensive things can be, I don't know if, if... Like, let's say, it ideally, like, every two years, they would do, like, an iteration on the hardware so that way things stayed up-to-date and it was, like, a smoother transition between um, the uh, that... So, to ensure backwards and forwards compatibility of software. I don't know how often I'd upgrade. So let's let, that's my hypothetical to you, Ed, to, as our closing hypothetical. If the hardware updated, let's say, every about two years or so, what do you think, how often do you think you would upgrade? Um, I might do every other, every other upgrade, like every four years. But it depends. Like, if, if I could... If I could like sell or trade in the old system for like a good value and just have like a, a lower marginal cost on top of it, I might. But it would depend on the feature set. Like I, I think it's it's kind of well known that the Series X and the PS5, they have ray tracing, but it's kind of limited. Like it's it's not that strong. So I, I think that's one thing that if they do upgrade that's going to be one thing that, that I think they can improve on significantly. And a, a lot of games, they have a performance mode versus a fidelity mode, but some games sacrifice a lot for the performance mode. And that's already just early on. And part of that might be they're just still kind of learning the ropes with what you can get out of this system, but it will really remain to be seen. Like if it, if, if you're really having to sacrifice a lot to get the performance mode working, then maybe an upgrade would be worth it. Um, but I, I'd probably be ready for an upgrade if it's like noticeable in some ways in three or four years. So maybe 2024. 20, I was going to say, actually, uh, counterpoint, actually, 
as things have been going, I think that they've been getting much more better at games looking good in performance mode. Like they've done multiple updates to Spider-Man, Spider-Man Miles Morales, where they had the default performance and graph uh, graphics modes, and then they added the extra modes, and I think they did it with um, Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart as well, where they have performance plus RTX ray tracing. So mm-hmm. they've been getting better, and I think they've just they understand better how to optimize to include certain features like ray tracing with better lighting while also maintaining that frame rate. So I think we finally got like this nice headway. And part of its resolution, if we're, if they're willing to run at a lower resolution, like 1440 and below, not shooting for 4K, like somewhere between 1080 and 1440, and just lock in at 60 or better, depending on what you want, like 60, 1440 and 120, 1080000 which would be amazing as a standard, I, I think they're they're unlocking a lot. And I, as we've said, like games are really pretty. Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart is really pretty. And I think Horizon Zero, uh, Horizon Forbidden West is going to also be like that next thing that, that pushes it. And by the time this episode's out, I will have played it and tried it. And uh, I'm sure I'll bring that up on, on the next episode or something. But I'm looking forward to seeing how well that runs on, on PS5 and what that looks like live at 60. Uh, well, so- um, I, I, I think Sony, like first party developers, are probably going to be the ones who are going to get be able to squeeze the most out of these systems. Of course, of course. Um, but the one the one example I had in my mind is I haven't played it yet, but I have read a lot of opinions that the Guardians of the Galaxy, the the console version, has to make a lot of sacrifices to run in 60 FPS. You played it on PC, right? So you were probably able to get like a really nice um, experience out of it. But I, I've heard a lot of people saying they actually went with the the fidelity mode just because the performance mode was such a hit to the visuals that they were okay with a solid 30 just to get the visuals that they wanted. So um, I think there are some games out there that, that there is a pretty big disparity between performance and fidelity modes. Absolutely. That is definitely true. And I think it will be behooves Sony and Xbox to be, uh, or I should say PlayStation and Xbox to like share those internal tips to other studios with that. And then also like another thing is like internal studios sometimes have their own proprietary engines. Sony's got some proprietary engines floating around. So that might also be a thing where those are built on the PlayStation hardware and for the PlayStation hardware. So they're able to do things that like the third party engines like unreal and stuff can't really do or aren't optimized to do based on the hardware they're on. So that, that could be a natural challenge. We'll just never get around. But who knows, maybe they'll work with them and be like, hey, let's get you an optimization patch for uh, your engine so that way when it works on PS5, it can go really pretty. And that way we can say, like, the PlayStation version is much better than the Xbox version because of these optimizations and so on and so forth. And Xbox could do the same thing. So hopefully that's also yeah. also happening regardless. I did have one more question. This came up, and this I think is important to Generations. We've only kind of talked around these ideas. But it's it's this is more definitive with the idea of like the upgrading hardware and thinking about PC gaming. Now consoles are supposed to be the antithesis to PC, where like PC you can upgrade all the different parts and whatnot, make what you want, and figure out your budget based, and you can figure out your stuff based on the power you want and the budget you have. What do you think, Ed, about if instead of like full you full upgrades where you have to buy a whole new box, what if let's say Sony said, you know what? We're actually going to let users be able to just slot in the new system on chip. 
like we can already change out and add upgrade the hard drives but what if they said you know what we're going to design playstation 6 and onward with the ability for us to just have our new system on chip the cpu and gpu so that way instead of people buying whole new boxes every single time we can give them the thing give them the, the component you plug it in kind of like how with like n64 had like the uh, the expansion pack in there um, I'm trying to think what else, uh, or like when the PS2 had like the hard drive slot, uh, or SNES, or a bunch of Super Nintendo cartridges had like chips built into the cartridge to give extra capability. Right. That's a that's a little bit there. Oh, like the Sega CD or the 32X, mm. those kind of like incremental upgrade, like peripheral pieces. From your perspective, now me, I'm a. I'm used to PC, so I'm used to upgrading a part. So I'd actually welcome being able to buy a cheaper part and just being able to pay like two, maybe $200 or less to get the next generation chip thing, throw it in my system and not have to pay nearly as much for next generation performance or every couple of years. Like I could swallow 200 to 150 and I think a lot of people could uh, better than having to spend like the 400 to 500 every couple of years to upgrade your stuff. Um, but from your perspective as a slightly more console-focused person, or I should say as a console-focused gamer, do what is that idea? What do you think of that idea? If you could just, and I'm saying it would be sim almost as simple as like swapping the hard drive. It's like you'd pop the top, you'd unscrew maybe a couple, like four screws, take out a brick, grab the new brick, put it in, screw it in, close the top, and it just works. Like it's the Sony thing. Does that have any appeal to you? Uh, and I would say ideally at a cheaper price, but or what do you prefer the current form factor as is where it's like every couple of years I'll just buy a new box and that's that's the way it goes. Um, I I guess I'd be okay with it, but I don't think it would be successful for Sony from a business perspective or any console manufacturer. Yeah, or or Xbox. Yeah, I guess I'm. I don't know why Nintendo. I just said Sony, but yeah, I, I think the people who buy consoles are not wanting to do that. I, I bet you even the percentage of people who end up putting in a, an extra drive into the PlayStation 5 is going to be pretty low because even that I think is a little intimidating to people because you have to make sure you buy the right drive. You know, you have to, you have to put in screws, e even screws. Like the fact that you have to like unscrew and take off the panel is going to be a, I, I think it's going to be a barrier. So I, I, and plus I, I think for, I would rather buy a new console, get a fresh new console with no wear on it and just sell the old one because you know, most, most of those, like if it's, if it's, I don't know, 200, $250 to get a new system on a chip, that's almost the difference of, in buying a brand new console at 500 and selling the old one. So unless you like want to keep your old hardware, there's not much of a difference between just selling the old one and, you know, I don't, I don't generally keep old hardware unless I need it to play certain games. Like I've already sold my PlayStation four because the PS five plays all those games and I would be comfortable just buying a new one and selling the old one. And I, for me, that's an easier and easier way to do it. And I also just like, I feel better having a more recently manufactured piece of hardware because it's likely gone through more iterations where it's more reliable and it just has fewer years on it. So like, 
I, you know, I have, I have a PS3 that I bought recently for a couple games I wanted to play. And I actually chose to get the super slim because like, even though the design is a little weird, I wanted a system on a chip that was a smaller manufacturing node. So it runs cooler and had like fewer years on it because I'm like, it'll probably last longer than if I, you know, people, people sometimes recommend you get like the backwards compatible PS3, but I don't need that feature. And I don't want like a 12 year old piece of hardware that could crap out any day. So I like, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm being paranoid, but like, I, I feel good with the idea that the consoles that I have will last as long as possible. Um, but maybe that won't matter in the future because they're just going to be backwards compatible, but you never know. I don't know. It's true that there is always more um, chance of failure when you have user swappable parts or stuff like that. Like it even sucks on phones that batteries are like built in now and you can't like user swap them as much, but it is, it's a, that's the, the trade off is slightly, slightly, some slight convenience because being able to swap a dead or defective battery is convenient versus well if we make sure all of these work then it's much more reliable and the device is more likely to function because we know exactly what kind of the you know accessories and pieces are inside our device at all times instead of like risking people wrecking everything else with like one third party thing like that now granted i was talking proprietary stuff um but yeah uh that we we've uh we've reached our time here i did have one more question for you ed just a quick one here is uh Given your experience with the PlayStation 5 and how we talked about how weird that design is, are you inclined, uh, if they had a much cooler looking revision, just it's exact same like specs, but it's just, it you know, they changed up the look, so it just you thought it was aesthetically pleasing, would you be willing to rebuy the console or are you just going to make do and be like, you know what, it's fine? No, I'm not going to rebuy it for a new form factor. I don't I don't love the PS5 but I don't mind it enough to like it do, it it bothers me so little that I don't even want to buy new faceplate or faceplates like you did cuz I don't care about the way it looks it's in my entertainment center I'm not looking at it when I'm playing games so it's like what does it matter in your Faraday cage I think it's stupid yeah and my yeah my my new well, that's just another story but yeah but yeah <laughs> I um okay. it doesn't matter to me. Okay. Yeah. Uh I can't say with certainty I wouldn't, but I would probably try to sell my PS5 at like a discount so I'd get at least half back and put it towards a new one if it was cool enough. Um I'd hope there's some other hardware features, but depending on how cool it looked, uh I, I could see myself doing that, especially since, you know, stuff's rare. So giving someone else a chance is like I that could use a PS5, I'd be like, "Okay, you know, half price here. Go ahead and I'll get the other uh maybe, maybe- Maybe if Mike has an upgraded, I'll, I'll do it for him so he can join the next gen. There you go. All righty. Uh, well, that wraps up this episode. So once again, we uh, we're, we thank everyone who has tuned in and listened uh, over the time we've been here. We are switching to a monthly format. So by the time you're listening to this episode, it will be going up. Uh, it should be up on Saturday, March 5th. So yeah, I'm dating, dating us for this now. Um, but yeah, then we'll start do it, trying to aim for the first of every Saturday. And as we've stated before on the most recent Hot Fix episode, that should be going up on uh, S- Super Bowl Sunday, uh, February 13th. That 
uh, we're not going to be doing hot fixes um, weekly anymore. It just doesn't fit in our schedule the way we, we hoped it would or uh, the way it went. And we're going to just use the hot fix moniker as our reacts whenever there's big news that we feel like we need to bang out a quick recording and get our thoughts out there. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a little bit less here, but we're hoping that'll uh, improve our attitudes, increase the quality, and we'll, we'll talk about more experience more experimenting in the future and maybe with more time editing I'll get a little more adventurous and actually add some dynamic video element stuff for people who are watching on YouTube channel uh, that might be uh, something in the future but yeah we're, we're still working on it like we said just having fun just hobbyists just fellow gamers want to get out there and, and chat and hang out and uh, we, we hope everyone enjoys listening um, yeah Ed you, you, you still having fun? Mm -hmm. yes and we've still got a whole bunch of topics we want to talk about, so looking forward to it. Thank you again, everyone. Thank you, Ed, for being here. Uh, take care, everyone, until the next time. Bye.